the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast. I'm Christy Wilhelmy. Thanks for joining us. And welcome to our new format where we spend time chatting with guests to ask for their favorite tip. It's been 10 years and I did 473 podcasts of my own, so now we're reaching out to other experts in the gardening world. My guest today is John Lyons of The Woven Garden. He offers organic garden design and installation for both California natives and vegetable gardens, as well as consulting and maintenance. John has the unique perspective of being from Western Ireland, and he lives in Winnetka with a slew of bees and chickens and also happens to be an accomplished equestrian. Thank you for joining me today, John. Thank you for having me. Yay. So I'm, um, you know, we've worked together or at least nearby each other at least once on a project that will remain nameless. <laughs> and um, I've enjoyed getting to know you over the years, but I realized I don't know your story. What brought you to the United States and to gardening? Gosh, uh, your podcast would have to be three hours long to cover that. <laughs> Um, I'm one of these people that came here via the lottery system, which we're hearing a lot about now with regard to DACA and all the rest. Uh So I literally sent my name in. My name was pulled out of a hat somewhere in D.C. and I got a green card. And when was that? That would have been 1988. I didn't take it up till 1990. Moved to New York, stayed in New York for eight years. I founded and ran a theater company there. Oh. Came to... L.A. in 1998, worked in the entertainment industry, started my own um, actor's agency, had that for about eight years. As you can see, eight years is the magical number. I guess so. And then the industry sort of changed dramatically, and I really didn't see a place for a small agency like me. I'd always wanted to get my hands in the dirt because I grew up on a farm, and my mother had a half acre of gardens, and... I was used to gardening. and So what was it like gardening here versus back at, uh, in Ireland? Uh, very, very different. Uh, uh, the very, my first experience here was getting an allotment or a plot at Sepulveda Basin. There's and a that, community garden there that's about 500 plots. Or yes. Se- it's 700 plots, actually. I, I I, I, it's incredible. Yes. It has grown enormously. Yes. When I signed up, I got a plot within two to three weeks. I think now you could probably wait a year or two. Right. Because, the, you know, people are very, very keen. And I met an old gardener there, my friend Margaret, who's now in her mid-80s. And she originally came from Atlanta, but she'd lived here 30 years. And she really, really taught me a lot because... I hadn't a clue. I mean, how could I get my head around growing lettuces at Christmas, at Christmas. When, when in Ireland we'd be battening down the hatches and waiting for the snow? Exactly. So it was, uh, and then learning essentially that LA is two seasons, you know, hot and cold. Yes. Or, you know, hot, semi-hot, cold, semi-cold. <laughs> um, and essentially that you can grow 24-7, 365 here, which then leads us to the subject of soil and the demands that we make on soil and how important here, more than anywhere, maintenance of good soil. So I learned a lot about that working with her. Um, Then I always was involved with horses, so there was always plenty of horse manure lying about. So Mm -hmm. I got into the finer art of composting and um, that segued into learning uh, about the soil food web 
And this was back in the prehistoric days of internet when there was a site called Garden Web. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it still exists, but I loved that site. Yeah, Garden Web. Fantastic. There was a thread about everything, and it was the most remarkable place. I haven't been on it in years. I hope it still exists. I believe they were purchased by iVillage or something Ah. like that, and they may have been assimilated, but I think it's still there. I haven't... I'll have to check. Because it was the early days of internet. Yeah, it was just forums. Yes, and you would have the most remarkable people on there, like on the tomato thread there was Dr. Carolyn Mail who wrote definitive books on the tomato breed uh-huh. and uh, and uh, just answering questions it was like the Fantastic. internet was this magical place that you could you could get access it's the same now with horses on Facebook I'm able to get an interface with some of the most amazing gifted horsemen and women that you simply wouldn't have had access to before. And that's one of the great beauties of technology. So anyway, going back to Garden Web, I really got it, went down a rabbit hole with a composting soil uh, thread and then met all sorts of wonderful garden nerds like you and me who were doing all sorts of experimentation in their backyard. And that was really before the Lohenfeld's book on soil food web and the mm-hmm. micro, microbe and the more scientific end sort of came to the fore. People were kind of stumbling upon stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I really, really got into creating great soil. And that then segued into taking a course in California Natives at uh, UCLA and essentially teaching myself how to garden here then a few design courses, and then I just sort of moved out of the agency world gradually over a two-year period and decided to start doing um, the Woven Garden. And when was the Woven Garden? When did that come into being? Formally, I'd say about 2006 or seven. Okay. It's kind of a gradual thing. I sort of eased into it as I closed down the agency over the course of 18 months I, I took on a client and and it has essentially grown purely by word of mouth mm-hmm. I used to give a lot of talks at, at the uh, Descanso the, and the Arboretum LA Arboretum and you, didn't you do a garden at was it Descanso or the Arboretum at the Arboretum at, I think which was the last formal garden show that they had there or was it? I think they had one other garden show afterwards that was not really in the old style, which meant they invited eight designers to de- to design yes. gardens on the Great Lawn. Yes, and you did the, it was that stone kind of woven La- labyrinth, labyrinth that yes. was gorgeous and people really loved it. Yeah, it was, it was a new one. <laughs> and I had Marco Barantes um, and his team of amazing guys create the... Um, the labyrinth, so to speak, out of broken concrete in a matter of 48 hours. I mean, they were That's amazing. amazing. That is amazing. And, and then you had vegetables go. tucked in all over the place. Yes. And what was funny about it was it, it attracted children mm-hmm. uh, because it had this sort of, this line that kids love and they were able to skip along the walls. Right. There are photographs of children yes. walking the wall yes. and yes. in a very peaceful, happy yes. way. It's yes. adorable. It was a, an unintended sort of consequence. Uh, consequence <laughs> or plus of it, yes. Nice. So we probably could 
talk about any number of subjects for hours, but uh, today we're talking about bees because you are a beekeeper. How many hives do you have? At the last count, I have seven. I have one here at the house, which is a swarm that moved into a an old box that I left outside. In fact, I think uh, David King gave me the box. Is it a swarm box or it's a hive? It's a swarm box. Oh, okay. And they moved in three years ago. I've never opened it or looked inside it. I expected them just to take off because I have another six, or at least I'll know later today if they're still there, uh, in Thousand Oaks, in the Santa Rosa Valley, just north of Thousand Oaks. Oh, and do you go out and inspect them how often? I should, in theory, go out every four to five weeks. Uh-huh. I think it's been at least two months since I went out. Uh-huh. The last time I went out, I took a lot of honey off, and that was technically, I suppose, winter. Are we still in winter? I've never quite figured that out. Well, so I love that, you know, the, the day that spring starts is technically the middle of spring, really. it's uh, That's how it works. You know, the equinox and the solstice okay. mark the middle of, you know, it's, it's the change of the season, but it's technically the middle of that season. So we are, spring Spring starts March 21st, Okay. right? So we're nearly there. So we're now in the depths of winter. We're essentially okay. there. We're, we're sandwiching you, for, for listeners, we're sandwiching John Lyons, the Irishman between St. Patrick's Day and <laughs> spring equinox. So okay. <laughs> it's fun. So yeah, so, you know, there's uh, six eyes out there. It's my equine vet, Gabriella's uh, seven-acre avocado ranch so um, she wanted to bring bees out to see if it would help with the pollination and it looks like it's working out Um, and do you keep bees for other people or just yourself I don't I don't I just keep these bees and then give her the honey sell a little bit and some for myself I don't Uh, eat a huge amount of honey I don't either I mean I I have one hive and it's enough for for us it's our year supply and we give them out as Christmas gifts for friends and go to you know hostess gifts and whatnot and everybody's always so excited about it so but do you find a difference in in the honey you pull from each hive or the difference between the one you keep here and the one that are the ones that are at the avocado farm uh, I find a difference depending on the time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, the winter honey is generally thicker because I think I open it less mm-hmm. and it gives them more of a chance to actually um, dehydrate it if that's technically what they do. It just becomes more viscous. But, but it's darker usually in winter. Mm-hmm. I've heard that that is is because of the avocado bloom. Yeah, avocado honey tends to be darker yes. in the first place. And in one case, I opened it and it was um, tasted almost like molasses. It was seriously dark. So I, I think that, that the few frames that I removed must have been when they were feeding in a feeding frenzy uh, on the avocados for a, a, a few weeks. Um, but as you know, the, the bees traveled six to eight miles foraging and very close to this farm is a magnificent par- open park area that I've hiked in and it's just full of native plants. Oh great. And they're blooming too in winter some of them so and right. starting to bloom. So the bees in this area have a great um, selection of plants to, to choose from. The owner of the avocado ranch has said that the production has gone up, but we don't know if it's because of the bees. Because pollination in avocados is extremely complicated, mm-hmm. as you know. 
you know, you have the A and B a pollen, and, B flowers, and then right. you have the morning and evening and the release of it. Um, but I'm assuming bees just moving from plant to plant are, are certainly helping it. Sure. Um, the issue for avocado grape growers in recent years has been the frightful drought. So. Right, and the size of avocados has reduced because yes. of that. Yes. Uh, you get a lot of pit and not a lot of fruit. Yes. So that's, I'm glad to hear that you're helping, helping them with that. Now, do you practice what's called natural or treatment-free beekeeping? Yes, absolutely. I, I learned that at Backwards Bees. It made total sense to me. And um, I have never, I've never treated the hives in the... Uh, oh, it's 12 years now since I've started with the bees. Um, I've never tr- treated them for anything. Uh, I've had a few hives absconded. Mm-hmm. But I've had no major fiascos. If I do have mites or uh, something like that, I I think it's something I can live with. I don't take a huge amount of honey off, so the hive is in theory then quite strong. I rarely go down and look in the lower boxes. Yeah. Um, I just switch out the mediums on top right. and keep one or two empty at the height of the season. And so I have, I have a minimum of interference. I don't poke around. Um, I think on a few occasions, my hives have gone queenless, and that has kind of ended up with some strange scenarios with extra uh, drone brood and stuff like that. And that's how you can tell that the, they've gone yes, queenless? Um, yes, and I would say the hives have been out there long enough now for queens to have died, but um, they usually form a new queen. Mm-hmm. Um to be honest with you, I'm, I'm very hands-off. I haven't introduced queens like some people have. Yeah, I am too. I just kind of leave it to nature. And to be honest with you, like I said earlier, I haven't found any major, um, no major fiasco. I mean, it's a fiasco when a healthy hive absconds. One did early last year, and I have no idea why. Yeah. Just disappeared. They just left. They just left. And I had um, harvested honey and left one and a half boxes empty for them on top. But and by box, f- sorry, by yeah. box you or you mean supers? Supers, so yeah. So the le- this is the the layers, the levels of of a uh, um, Langstroth hive yes. that people add to the top. Yes. So do your do your hives usually have the the you know there's usually two supers for the bees and then one for the honey and then ex- two two I mean, deeps. Yes, two deeps. I try to go two deeps. Okay. What I do if I have a new hive and it's strong like a strong swarm at the height of the season, I will actually put them into a deep because it's warm enough in the evenings for them to cluster and stay content in that. If it's cooler season at either end of the season and I have a swarm, which is really not the best time to take in a wild swarm, I put it in a, a medium and leave that on the bottom with the lid on it so that they're nice and cozy because a medium super is about the exact space that a swarm loves to move into. That's why they love the swarm box outside and have stayed in it. They haven't. They may have swarmed out of it, but there's a presence of bees there they, for three years. They're still... It's oh, three perfect, years, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. a perfect size. Right. Um, and there's two empty uh, medium hives below them and they've never moved into them. Interesting. Yeah, you'll see it in a moment. I'll okay, show you. we'll go out. Um, so, yes, I put a deep. And then if it's a very vigorous, healthy hive, I put a second deep. That's okay. to give plenty of room for the queen. So you could have two boxes of brood. Right. And then I let that build up sometimes over the course of a few months. 
and then I put medium supers on top to to get honey. Mm -hmm. And if they fill that really rapidly, I will put another one on top. When I harvest one, my method is to put back a an empty on top, but bring up two existing to the frames to the frames with honey on them up to the top one. Put empties in the missing space on the second from top right and then because sometimes you can put a box an em totally empty box on top and it doesn't occur to them that there's room they'll never go yeah they'll yeah. never go in it so you entice them with yes. a little bit of their own nectar yes. and honey well so that's that is um that sounds about like how i keep bees except mine are all in medium i mean my my bees have are all mediums yes. all layers i mean it's simply so we can pick it up and move it if we need to mm -hmm. but i like you also don't don't tend to inspect down in those first two supers because they, they're doing their own thing. Yes. And I don't want to rip apart their home and just let them do what they do. And I know there's controversy around that. And there are some even natural beekeepers who get in there every you know couple of weeks or whatever to make sure that everything's going well. But for me, I'm, I'm a bit hands-off like you as well. So we have a lot in common there. Um, so we're we're here at your home where you have a lot growing what do you plant to keep the bees happy here well first and foremost it's important that you don't use any chemicals right you know it goes without saying yes or bring in plants something we've had to start thinking about in recent years bring in plants that are pre-treated right because uh, if you go to home depot you'll yes. see a sign on the the tag on the back of the tag it says this plant has been protected with neonicotinoids yes which is such an oxymoron. Yes. yes. <laughs> so. so you have to be very careful um, how you get around that or growing flowers from seeds, of course, and then self-seeding flowers. I'm big into just scattering stuff and letting nature take care of itself. So plants that I love are, of course, all the natives. Mm -hmm. um, the salvias, mm -hmm. the native salvias like salvia clevelandii, then also what I call the middle and South American salvias, the soft salvias that do very well in winter, mm -hmm. you know, Guaranitica, um, the really colorful large ones. There's so many. So many. So many. <laughs> and there's a wonderful book on it, in case people are... It's one of my favorite plants, and it's one of my favorite plants for LA because you can grow salvias year-round and you can get great interest in color in your garden in the middle of so-called winter mm -hmm. with some of those South American salvias. It's a, this, it's a book on salvias by Betsy Kletched. I think she lives in Northern California. I hope she's still alive. But when I bought the book, she was advanced in years. But uh, it's a marvellous book on salvias. Um, and there's a great variety of them available in your average nursery. So salvias are one. Then annuals I love are cosmos, of course. Mm -hmm. I love sunflowers. I just let them grow anywhere. And I just stake them up even if they're falling out into the street. <laughs> Because multi-headed sunflowers are tremendous for bees. Uh, other things that you might not think of would be the whole brassica family, mustards, uh, broccoli. They love those and it's a, it's a very early flower that they can get. So it's a tremendous source of pollen for them. Right. So if you leave your brassicas to go yes. to seed when they flower, the bees absolutely yes. love them. That's what's happening right now in most people's gardens because they forgot to harvest the head and yes. it's all flowering yellow and and even the, the mustards that are white or yellow flowers. Mm -hmm. And the bees are all over them. Very and then it goes without saying, of course, the fruit trees. Now that's an issue, I mean, it's an issue I'm having. I've had to cut out, uh, remove about eight of my 
uh, fruit trees they've gotten that uh, phages shot hole ball. Oh no! So I've lost a lot of them. I'm going to stick with citrus. Citrus, of course, are fantastic when they're in full bloom. It's an amazing source for the bees. But then all the flowering apples, plums, apricots, all those depend on the bees, mm-hmm. and they're a great source. And then as an aside, I mean, we're talking about honeybees here, but you should also be thinking about the native bees. Right. Um, I have um, given to me by a fr- friend from Merced our old uh, native bee um, nesting boxes. Oh, I'll show you one nice. later. Are they not like mason bees? Yeah, they are. This similar that they had on their farm up in Merced fifty years ago. Fantastic. So it was like these these people years ago really understood that. I don't see an awful lot of native bees, but they're very attracted to one specific flowering tree, and that's of course the um, Circes and Palo Verde. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see them on that, and you'll occasionally see them hovering around some of my grasses so they have a diff- seem to have a different uh and there's so many varieties of native right. bees. there are over a thousand yes. varieties of native yes. bees in yes. california yeah. and and nationwide there are four thousand native variety native native bees species yes. so uh we have a lot of plants we can provide for them in addition to or instead of the honey. Well, I'm not sure we have mason bees here. I used to go and order the little things from Washington State. And have you ever seen them occupied? No. Yeah. No. I, you know, it was like, we want to go back to Washington State. This is all very nice to visit. But I'm assuming we have bees like them, but they're not the orchard mason bees. Okay. But... But uh, and maybe the box, the nesting boxes that I have would may not work this far south. Merced might have been where they'd work, and because that's three hundred miles from here. Right. So, um, but if nothing else, they look they're nice. Guys they're really nice to have around. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's segue into our tip of the week. What is one tip that you would like to share with the garden nerd audience? Uh, with regard to bees, even if you have hives or you don't have hives, they need to drink a lot of water. And it's not good for them to be getting water from puddles on the street with oil in it, or even water from your pool. Um, the best source of water in your yard would be a regularly cleaned out bird bath. And when you have them, you probably do notice, especially in very hot weather, that they're crowded around it. But it's important that you create a little beach on the side of the bird bath for them to be able to carefully and not get drowned in the water. Right. So So you can do that by putting in rocks or uh, a very nice uh, system I saw, I haven't used it, are those glass baubles you see in florist shops to hold large stems in place. You put a layer of those at the bottom mm-hmm. of any container and just hit it with the hose every few days and just have the water just coming up to almost the top of the 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 top end of the the pebbles. the pebbles so the bee can actually rest on dry or semi-dry and drink water i think that probably is one of the most important things you can do in your garden apart obviously from um, growing plants that are bee friendly Fantastic. and of course never ever spraying anything and included in that this is probably more important than my other tip are the so-called organic um, exactly organic pest control right tell us why because they are they will kill good and bad insects they don't discriminate 
personally, I don't use anything. I use a hose to clean off aphids. Mm -hmm. And if a plant succumbs to something, I let it. I have just done with spraying and being neurotic about pests. Right. Um, and if you plant the right beneficial insectaries in your garden, the good bugs will come out, compete the bad guys. And anyway. they will come. I mean, I just had this as an aside, uh, one last thing, with, with the client in the Palisades. It's been a kind of a long-running joke, but it's been going on now for five years. Oh. We've grown fava beans. Uh-huh. They were hit very badly for about three years in a row with black fly. Oh, and the fava beans would be covered in ladybugs. And I would say, see, Beth, the ladybugs are showing up to do the job. However, one year, the black fly threatened to get the better of the ladybugs. So it's a kind of a compromise because she really didn't want to lose her fava beans. I decided to spray the odd um, tip of a fava bean with um, neem oil. Mm-hmm. Which is um, which is um, it's organic. It's organic, but, but it's, it's pretty it's severe. Problematic, yeah. Yes, um, and we contained the problem. Now this year we were looking the other day. There isn't one black fly at all because I was explaining to her the ladybugs will show up when you have an issue, mm-hmm. but if you spray, you're going to kill the ladybugs too, and then the next year the pests will, may come back with a vengeance, and that there are peaks and valleys and pests. So we're having a nice period at the moment, and you right. don't have to spray anything. So. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you for that right. expert tip, John. And thank you for being on the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast. All right, Garden Nerds, you'll find more information about John Lyons and the Woven Garden on GardenNerd.com this week. We'll share links to his website as well as his resource page, which has a comprehensive list of exquisite gardening books to devour. That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. Visit us for tons of gardening information at GardenNerd.com. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under GardenNerd1, on Facebook as GardenNerd.com, and of course, our GardenNerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening!